This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. This is our auto expert, and in the studio is Truck Girl Jen and uh, Automatic Andy. How are you guys? That's me clapping. Uh, you I've, are always a clapper. Well, I like it. Just I feel like when you open the show like that and you clap, it bring it makes you bond with the audience more because a lot more is going on. Yeah, it's a lot more of a special experience. I think in the uh, twenty years of radio that I've been doing, mm-hmm. you've been a clapper. I've always been a clapper. I'm definitely that uh, that person who claps on the plane. I, sh- I hate to admit that, but we know when we land successfully. Oh, yay, Captain. Good job. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I hate to Is there any that, one but... time you haven't applauded when you've landed? Uh, Cabo. You didn't land successfully then? Yeah, I know I didn't. I was I was, had too much of the, of the local spirit. <laughs> Is this... <laughs> What happened? I just, you know, when in Rome or Cabo, you do what Caboians do. You don't land successfully. No, you don't. There must be a whole mess at the Cabo airport. (laughs) Is this why you applaud when I parallel park at Home Depot? Yeah, because that's that's a skill. I admire that, man. Way to go, Nick. Is this why you don't parallel park? Yeah, I don't. I can't. Even Even with a review camera. It's like a video game. The re- what did you call it? The review camera. The review camera? Or the rear view. Yeah, that's better. Because the, the review camera would be something that played back your parking. Well, that's that's what's happening in my head, so I can't do it. So what is it, the Ford that does that? You just preview and review. Yeah, I, I sometimes... The preview I, shows you how you're going to park. Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's it. I just want to live in your head for one day. It, oh, it, just, it makes sense. It would be it, amazing. It all works out at the end. It, or preview, or before the end. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, it's amazing. How did you ever get your license? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I bribed the lady. I flirted <laughs> with her. Was it uh, ta- was taking your test a trial? Did you pass the first time? Yeah, actually, I did. I did you really did? good. Yeah. Yeah. But I know. I know. How I. How old it. were you? Thirty-eight. <laughs> Right before I turned 38. I was still yeah. technically 37, but you, you it were. was just around the... No, actually, I think I did finally turn 38. So 38. How old were you again when you parked your license? 16. I was 17 and a half, and I was a year late. Most people were 16 and a half where I lived. You know, sometimes people don't grow up until later. Sometimes, Nick. 15 years later? Yeah, it's fine. And that's okay. I still... You know, I is thirty eight is when I had to tap out from getting driven because of my good looks. Anthony, how old were you when you passed? Twenty. Twenty. You yeah. left it late. All right. See. Yeah. In uh, it's how di- old were you when you could drive a tractor in Wisconsin? <laughs> Se- seven. Oh wow. Seven. Yeah. Dairy boy could drive a tractor when he was seven. But you waited until oh. you were twenty to get your driver's license. Well, he always he. Yeah. Oh, he was in trouble. Okay, yeah. we got you. Okay, okay we can't. Ran- we don't want to open up a case. No. There was a cow, some spilt milk involved, <laughs> some wasted cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was seventeen, and I 
lost my license, but actually physically lost it. What did you do? Um, I put it in the back pocket of my jeans <laughs> and couldn't find it. <laughs> and so I couldn't take driving lessons because you had to show it every time you took a driving lesson. And I couldn't find it. Oh. And I'd put it in the back pocket of some jeans and it finally, the jeans I didn't wear. And they were in the bottom of a drawer. And finally, my mom took them out because I had, I think, lost a bunch of weight. And she was going to take them in or something. And she took them out to take them in and found it in the back pocket. And I've been looking for it for six months. And you, in England, you couldn't get a replacement license easily oh. for driver's license. It was a big... By the way, to take a driving test in England, you had to apply six months ahead of time. And then you got a spot, and you didn't mess with it. You yeah. took that spot, boom, that was it. and that was it. And the driving test, you never passed first time. Nobody ever passed first time, and it was like a two-and-a-half-hour driving test. And they tricked you each time, and then you had to play another six months. Um, you know, So it took a year or so to pass. Really? Oh, yeah. It was tough when I took the driving test. So oh. you take a year to get your driver's test. And then you had to drive... With L, big L plates on, they called them, and they were big red L's on the back of the car. <laughs> and you always knew those big red L's for loser. Yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah, those those were the jokes right there. I mean, you fell into the trap, and and so everyone would be like, "Oh, there you go, there's the uh-huh. loser." Um, and you had to try those, and it was similar to here. There was no written test, um, in England. It was all just. And they used to do things, nasty things in the test to you. Like you would take a left turn out of somewhere. And, of course, they drive on the opposite side of the road. And you'd have to take an immediate right turn. So it would be left and now right. And so you'd have to move across the lanes and take an immediate right turn. And it was tough. They would do these horrible things to you. And um, they'd go, you take a left turn somewhere in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. And, and within 30 feet, it would settle down to a you know, a 20, and they knew it, and you couldn't see the sign because it was behind a tree, and they, they trick you into stuff. So That's so rude. Yeah, they were rude. They was, and, and they do it because they wanted people to be better drivers. But the truth of the matter is, of course, he, all the kids used to eventually talk to each other, and then they'd learn, oh, they do this, and they do mm, that, and then they'd yeah. work all the tricks out, and eventually. And then you'd know what instructors were horrible and what then you know test takers were horrible. And a uh-huh. lot of the guys that in- educated you, they made a lot of money out of it. You know, it was like uh, 15 pounds a driving lesson, a lot of money in those days. And um, What's you, that in American? Uh, it was th- those days it was like $4 to the pound. Wow. Um, so nowadays it's almost one to one, but that was expensive. Huh. I took so, my, yeah. my driving lessons in school. Yeah, I don't oh, think they offered nice. that. Yeah. Me and my instructor went through the drive-thru. Of course I just, you did. I just I I, I thumbed <laughs> through the book. <laughs> I thumbed through the book like the night before, and then I got a really nice lady instructor. I'm like, "Do you want a burrito? I'll get you a burrito." And oh, we went through the drive-through, and I only you turns. <laughs> only you. So it was really funny, is because in Washington at the time, you had to take your written first, and then you had to wait, right? And then you take your drive. So they have a lot of trick questions in there, and I have to admit, I like missed one. Or two, and so I failed. Yeah, I think every my first test. Oh, really? Yeah. The written. The, the written. So then I had to go back and take the written, and then I passed both written and driving. I'm gonna tell you what question I did fail. The one that you, uh, where you have to get out of your car, or you have to check your car for children, for babies. 
And I said, no, you don't what? have to do that. They didn't even I have that. For it, it, it said like when you when before you get into your car and, and go away, you have to check basically like each tire to see if there's a, an infant or a kid behind you. I said the the question what? was like, do I you remember do that. you do that? Like, is that what you're supposed to do? And I said, no, that's not realistic. When I'm late for work, I'm not going to check <laughs> to see if little Johnny's behind my car. And that was not the right answer. So I know uh, I got that one wrong. Yeah. So when I moved to the United States mm -hmm. from I was living I went to school in Canada and when I moved to Oregon for the first time in the United States I um I had to retake my test yeah and um it was computerized then in the 90s and I took it on a computer and I passed and then when you move around the states depending on what state you move to sometimes you have to retake it sometimes they you know, they honor your driver's test, and it's becoming more and more they honor it. But some tests, some states are really tough on you. Um, some states make you retake it. Some states will just issue you one. It's just almost the same with handgun licenses. Some states will honor it. Some states will give you, uh, make you retake the test. Okay, so a question to each of you. What was the one thing on the test that you were super proud of that you did? Mm, on the Probably going through the drive-thru, that was pretty amazing. I was managed to pull that off. That and my picture. My picture came out really nice. That's a good one. Which, yeah. How about you? I only had to take the written test. Oh. And um, the one thing I knew really well was my road signs. I knew I didn't get a single... And there were some tough ones in there. There were some ones that I could tell you right now, I could show you, and you would have no idea what they were. Mm. Like, there were some road signs that I've never seen in the wild. In what the about wild. you? <laughs> oh, I'm serious. In the wild. Mine was parallel parking with a stick shift. Oh yes. yeah. I didn't have any. We didn't have any. <laughs> nice. We had That's no. What I had was do you stick. know that we didn't have any automatic cars in England? They were all stick shifts. Well, here's. That's because everything's metric over there. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Everything's <laughs> not metric over there. Hey, you know what? backwards over there. <laughs> yeah. Here's what's on the show today. Javier Moda is going to join us. He is our auto expert's Latino Spanish expert, and uh, he's also on the uh, World Car of the Year jury, also on the uh, American Nactoy jury, who chooses the uh, North American Car Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Mike Cordell joining us. He is also a member of our auto expert. We're going to talk about BMW's R18 motorcycle, him teaching his son to drive. Uh, Trevor Lai from Hyundai talking about their very first Ionic uh, brand car, which is the Ionic 5. This is their new brand of electric vehicles and the Tucson. Andy's got a top five. What is it today, Andy? I have uh, like, like a top 10. It's the, the 4Runner and the Honda CRV Hybrid. All right. We'll Ooh. talk about those. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Ford's 2022 plan, what's coming up with them, and SEMA. We had SEMA this November, and there was some really cool stuff from Truck Hero. Plus, I got to sit in the Lexus LX600 and oh, saw some specially what? developed IS cars. Um, Townsend Bell had one. He built his very own IS car, and it was pretty cool. Townsend's a cool guy. Uh, plus... We'll talk about some of the stuff that Lexus has in store, plus their infotainment system, which was built in America. Oh. Got all that coming up in the show. You guys excited? Always. Yes, I can't even handle it. All right, we're going to talk about car, truck, and utility vehicle of the year when our auto expert comes back. Stand by, guys. Here we go. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. 
This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. You will find our Auto Expert Radio Show on 24-7. Our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. In the studio with Automatic Andy and Truck Girl Jen. On the phone with us is Javier Mota. Javier is the Latin portion, the Hispanic portion of our Auto Expert. You can see his videos online he posts about 25 a day Javier how are you <laughs> oh good Nick how are you guys I'm, studio. I'm great uh, are you traveling somewhere exotic uh, or are you done for the year yeah I'm traveling to my backyard it's really exotic for me I've never, <laughs> I was never there ever <laughs> uh, is your weather nice I mean Miami you usually have nicer weather than we do uh, up in the northwest yeah, absolutely. I don't want to tell you because you're going to get mad at me. You're going to get very envious. Yeah. It's really nice here. <laughs> yeah, I was in, uh, I spent some time in California um, with the uh, Subaru team this week, and it was cold and pouring and, you know, 40 degrees. And so I wish I was spending some time at your house in uh, in Miami. So we mentioned in, just before the break that you were a member of several juries, including the NACTOY jury. Uh, you get to choose the car truck and utility vehicle of the year. You're one of 50 jury members, and your vote is coming up soon. To uh, you get to choose between three of the finalists in each category. So, uh, you tell us how the point system works and how you get to assign those points and who you get to assign them to. Yeah. So the whole process started obviously earlier in the summer, where all the eligible cars were listed. Uh, they have to be new or significantly updated for the year model and have to be on sale. Uh, so, for example, the GMC Hummer, who did EV that didn't make it to the finalist, like it's just about being delivered this week. So it would have it qualified for it. It didn't make it to the finalist. But so we have three rounds of, uh, of voting. And then so we eliminate some cars to become finalists and then we vote again for the finalists. So that's where we are right now. And uh, we're going to vote in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, the announcement is going to be January 11th in Detroit with no auto show, but there's going to be some events around it. So, yeah, it's coming up. And uh, in the car category is the Honda Civic, the Volkswagen Golf, and the Lucy Air. Now, the it's, the, it's, it's not the regular Golf, right? It's the GTR, uh, GTI yeah, and well, the R. Yeah, that's the only ones available in the U.S. anymore. They eliminated, uh, they discontinued the regular Golf, and now they only have those two for the U.S. market. So, yeah, those, are, uh, those two. And uh, I've been saying from the beginning when um, the finals were announced, that I think the Civic is going to win because, uh, in my opinion, it's a very well-done car, as Honda always do. Uh, very affordable, very good performance, and, like, obviously it's going to, have great quality. The Dreamer, which I am funny, uh, I'm, I'm editing a video that we did during the Alec Auto Show. It's a phone car. It's like fantastic technology. Uh, it led a 1,111 horsepower. Uh, but uh, one of the criteria for voting is that it has to be affordable for most of the consumers. So that car, especially the Dream Edition, the first edition is like $170,000. Yeah. Again, great car. So I think it's going to be close between the Civic and the Volkswagen. I think 
the vote the vote is going to be very divided. I'm just one of fifty, so it's hard to tell how, what the opinions of other people are. But I think that's it. That's funny because I put I put my money on the GTI. But uh, let's move on to uh, the the next one. What do you think about the uh, the utilities? Let's go there. The utilities uh, is the Bronco, the GV70, and the Ionic Five, which we both drove uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. in San Diego. And I think just for various reasons, uh, one being that the car is really good, but like just coming back, a legendary name, uh, the technology, all the marketing effort that Ford is putting into it, I think the Bronco yeah, is going to win again. Close, close. I yeah. think the GV70 is a fantastic vehicle. I like uh, Genesis, the whole Hyundai group does uh, an incredible job. And uh, if we just think about it, uh, the Genesis group is the winner already because they right. have three. Yeah. finalists among yeah. the nine, yeah. the three categories. So they yeah. have the GV70, the, the Ionic 5, and the um, Hyundai Santa Cruz. So when you have three of your vehicles among nine, so like you're already winning. Yeah, I would tell you that um, I think I agree with you. I think the Bronco will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if either of the other two win either. So let's go on. Oh, to no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, the voting is going to be super close. And yeah. again, the, the system goes that you have 25 points to, to share among the three finalists. You cannot give all the points to one. So it's going to be very, very close. Well, yeah. both to one side or the other would change everything. Yeah. And yeah, yeah in, the, in the truck category is the. Um, Santa Cruz, as I mentioned, the Maverick, yeah. and the Rivian RT, so yeah. R1T, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think they're because of the value it gives and like the fact that the Maverick is more a true truck than the Hyundai. Santa Cruz is a great SUV adapted to be a pickup truck, which is fantastic too, but I think the, the Maverick... Uh, can win again, and like it will be the second year in a row that Ford wins two awards because last year they won with the F one fifty and the Mac E. Yeah, and, and I, then if you I think agree. About it, next, yeah. yeah, next year they can win with the Lightning. Yes, <laughs> they can have three trucks a year in a row. That would be a. I think not never happened before. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I think Maverick is probably going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if either of the other two win. But I think Maverick has probably got maybe a twenty percent ch better chance of winning. But I also mentioned that the hybrid Maverick, which gets forty miles a gallon, is not eligible because it doesn't come out until next year, right? Well, uh, yes, they. They have big production problems like everybody else. Uh, I mean, like that. The demand is crazy. Uh, they actually have stopped the orders because they know that it's going to be sold out for next year already. But uh, overall, I think, I mean, you drove it too. And yeah. I think the way they engineered that vehicle, they Amazing. in and out. Like, yeah. It's just like they, they took advantage of every little inch of yeah. that truck in the cabin and in the, in the cargo. Yeah. Ben, and it's just really, really fantastic. Yeah. Again, the Santa Cruz, I like it a lot yeah. too. But I think Ford has over 100 years of experience right, yeah. in making trucks. Yeah, yeah. And Hyundai did a great job. Yeah, but yeah. I think the Maverick just a little bit better maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Javier Mota, you are a, a star in yourself. You did a great job. If you want to watch his videos, just go to OurAutoExpert.com. You can see them. We look forward to having you, Javier, again on the show next time. Javier Mota, watch him at OurAutoExpert.com. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. 
This is our auto expert. Find us on YouTube. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages. Our auto expert. Our auto expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Automatic Andy, Truck Girl Jen in the studio. I'm Nick Miles on the phone. Mike Cadell. He is the other half of our auto expert. And Mike braved the elements by getting on a very rainy motorcycle. Not the motorcycle wasn't rainy, but getting on a motorcycle in a very rainy environment environment and riding across country but the motorcycle was pretty cool right mike it was fantastic uh, you know i was on with you guys good morning by the way it's great to be on good morning Before mike christmas good morning andy truck girl jen Hello. From today we'll all be we'll all be unwrapping gifts under the tree yeah uh, ho- hopefully we'll be unwrapping gifts in our driveway right like that is that the <laughs> yes. goal like yeah something yeah. big and bold um <laughs> But, yeah, guys, I had a great time. You know, I was on a, a week and a half ago talking about this adventure. I was going to, you know, head out on this journey uh, into South Carolina to pick up the BMW R18 Transcontinental as part of a, a slightly longer-term demo. Uh, as journalists, it's, you know, we always kind of have to expand a little bit of the timeline on motorcycles because it is weather-dependent uh, to get out there on two wheels. We always look for safety. And, you know, the coolest part is I started this off uh, at the Performance Center in Greenville. So BMW, they not only make vehicles there, but the Performance Center there is where they do technical training on both two-wheel and four-wheel. And so if you're into the adventure world, they have this whole off-road course, uh, which I've shared on air with you guys before. Then they've got a whole racetrack for the two-wheel side with M3s and M1s, these just incredible tracks for people to go test, test drive cars if you're an owner uh, of a BMW. But I picked this up. 8.30 in the morning, it was about 28 degrees, and uh, had that momentary uh, momentary hesitation of, should I really be riding in this temperature because it's cold? Uh, but suited up and made my way down, and I, I will tell you, this motorcycle is really interesting in that, in first, because you have the boxer motor, right, which is this horizontal, uh, horizontal-designed motor, you have these two big parts of the engine sticking way out on the sides, which is kind of BMW's thing. But once you hit third and fourth gear, it sounds like a Harley Davidson, which to be honest, you're, you're going after that market with the ultra classic. So it's a big bike, Marshall speakers. It's loud. It's fun. It's comfortable. And I enjoyed it. I think one of the things that, um, I noticed when just riding it, and I I had the Transcontinental, but I rode more on last year's model, is the bike doesn't feel the same when you turn as a regular motorcycle that because of the of the low the low center of gravity because when you rev it because the pistons go side to side rather than up and down it really gives you a different feeling especially turning when you accelerate and turning when you push the throttle and turn it's a whole different feeling um, and the amount of torque is just unbelievable you feel it push you from underneath um, whereas a normal motorcycle you almost don't feel that push from the back do you you, you don't and uh it's i'm great i'm glad you brought that up nick so when i first threw my leg over the bike with all my gear on and, and the bags loaded you know they they were great they put me the bmw team put me inside the, the technical training center where there's rows and rows of bikes where people are working on them and of course as i jumped over that bike everybody stopped what they were doing to watch me leave thousand pound bike fully loaded gear and having to move this motorcycle for the first time was a little bit stressful. But once I got going on it, 
Uh, it took about a day and a half to get the geometry of the bike right. right. So you're right. Going through turns, you had to you had to pay attention a different way. Now, day one, it was 28 degrees and sunny from Greenville down to Atlanta. Day two, it was raining and stop-and-go traffic in downtown Atlanta. It, it, harrowing, to say the least, a little bit scary just because you're on a new bike. But I will tell you, by the end of Wednesday's ride, Nick, I preferred that horizontal motor. The pistons right. the pistons actually made me feel like I was in a little bit more control going through the lower smokies at 70 80 miles an hour. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun and I think BMW absolutely hit a home run with this motorcycle. Do you think and I am nowhere near a motorcycle person like you are. Um, I ride much smaller bikes than you do, but do you think anything I told you before you picked the bike up helped? Um, I think what you did is just prepared me for the weight, right? right? So, so when you ride bikes and you get up to that 900 and 900 plus, uh, weight capacity, you have to change your mindset on how you ride. So your legs, as you straddle the seat are going to go out wider right. so that you can better balance that weight. Um, but the technology of this bike as well, you know, once you get a bike going and, and you're, you're vertical on that bike, they, they all ride yeah. pretty well for the most, for the most point. Um, helmet buffeting and wind reduction, uh, was, was a plus on this. Yeah. It, it was great. I'm six foot three. I had no issues. The, the small adjustment that I would make to this bike, and I actually spoke to the PR team about this and and the engineering team down in Greenville, and they all said that's been the number one discussion point of, around this bike, is that you do need bona fide freeway pegs yeah. on this bike because yeah. the boxer motor prevents them from, from putting the controls up in the forward position. Yeah. They're mid-controls. So you do get a little bit tired uh, and have to get off the bike a little more frequently. So yeah. what you would need to do is get freeway pegs, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. I agree with you, too. And also, I think if you have small feet, there's no way you could operate those pegs because they're so far apart. Um, Correct. Your heel-toe pegs uh, are so far apart. And for me, maneuvering that bike around a garage takes two people. There's no way you can. It's too too heavy. I'm five foot four, or I was originally. Maybe I'm smaller as I get older. But I'm five foot four. I I can't get my legs wide enough to operate that bike. I can't maneuver it. I need two people. Let me tell you now, stature is something that we can't control. Uh, but it, but for me with this bike, the number one feature on this bike, and I just am shocked that this feature has not been around for, for big bikes like this for decades and decades. It is on Honda Gold Wings, but for BMW to do this is great. You, you put the bike in neutral from a, a stopped position. There's a switch that you flip down on the lower side by the clutch. And when you when you do that, it switches the ability from the bike to go forward to reverse. And then you hit the power button where you would normally turn the bike on and the bike will engage and and pull backwards. So you can actually back yourself into the garage, which is what I did here. Right. Talk about a luxury. I mean, that is something with this bike. If you tried to move it on your own to back out, good luck. Right. It's just too heavy. Yeah. But that's the purpose, right? It's a big cruiser to, to go across country on. And I will tell you that 12-inch touchscreen was fantastic. Yeah. Um, great bike all around. And I think BMW, this being their first year with the R18, I think they will continue to make this bike better and better and better. In fact, one of the things they did hint at 
uh, without confirmation is that they will likely put some kind of uh, foot foot covering. I'm not going to call it a peg, but a place to rest your legs yeah. over the boxer motor on the sides. Right. Um, it'll give you a little bit more room. Yeah, I, I'm really glad they did this too. And I think BMW have started to realize that the motorcycle market in America is really open for the taking. A lot of people are not really playing in it. Um, Honda's great with small engines, and so are the Japanese companies like Suzuki and some of the uh, the sort of the autocross companies. And then there's there's sort of the bigger company like Harley and Triumph are sort of playing in some of the things with Tiger and with the Bonnevilles. But nobody's really playing in all of these markets, in the, in the cruiser markets and those sort of things. So there is a lot of market here for people to play in. Um, there's a little bit of Italian playing here, but there's there's nobody's there's a wide open market here for a lot of people to play in. And I think BMW are seeing that opportunity and they're going to start producing more and more motorcycles. And that's exciting to me because choice and competition breeds, you know, excitement for anybody on a motorcycle. It's awareness, right? It's all about awareness right now with this motorcycle because if you are a hardened Harley person, you're you're gonna you're gonna be reluctant to, to toss your leg over this bike. So you know what my goal is is to just show people that there is diversity on these bikes. You know, Harley's got their new off-road adventure bike, jumping into you're going right after BMW, yep. and BMW's got the R18. They're going right after Harley Davidson. I will tell you, I enjoyed riding this motorcycle and will. We're going to be doing some feature stories on this. We're going to be breaking down tech. We're going to be breaking down the fairing because that's important for long rides on how the wind is diverted. We're going to be talking about uh, that power band in third gear, so the performance of the bike. We're going to take all the bags off this bike and see see what it feels like as just a daily cruiser around town. We're going to really put this to test. Excellent. Um, and, and over the next few months, you know, we're going to make those available for all the listeners. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, too. And uh, I enjoy seeing how you uh, you like riding it just around town and how you like uh, doing it, using it to go to meetings and uh, using it to sort of transport stuff on rather than just use it across country. Use it uh, from day to day to, to run errands around town and do sort of medium trips as well. Do stuff like uh, rather than ride sort of half a day across country, uh, ride an hour to a meeting or do things like go to the airport on it or even take passengers on it. It'll be interesting to see it as perhaps utilize it as you might do uh, your vehicle um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Mike, I want to ask you to stick around because um, I know you've got some great stories to tell us about teaching your son to drive and uh, you've had a manual mini um, out of the fleet. So if you will, uh, hang out over the break. I also want to tell everybody that we got a packed show still to come. Uh, I have been driving the new Ionic 5, which is Hyundai's first electric vehicle of many to come in the Hyundai Ionic brand. This is their new electric brand that has been launched. It was launched in San Diego, and they have got some exclusive things with that vehicle. So we will be back with Mike to talk about the uh, Mini, the manual, and teaching his son to drive. There is plenty more to come on the show. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 17,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert and many more stream the show. Join the happy listeners via Amazon Music. You can also use Spotify to listen to the show. 
OurAutoExpert.com also has all the previous show. Hours of endless fun await you. Find it on uh, Our Auto Expert. Also, you can listen to the deleted podcasts where Andy shows you how to lube your crankshaft. Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans <laughs> listen to the automotive news every week. All right, on the phone. Mike, yeah. Really, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> that's just a visual in so many levels, you, you know? A, you have to have a login. Do you know that. where the crankshaft is, Andy? It's uh, it's in the middle of the car to the left. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's right by the oxygen sensor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the crankshaft right next to it. Near, near where you oil the gears, right? Mm. Uh, Mike Cadell's on the phone with us. Uh, Mike, so... Does it give you angina when you have to teach your kid to drive? No. And, you know, what I was just thinking about the last two shows I've been on, I've been talking about two wheels, now I'm back to four, and it feels really nice. Like, I get to talk about cars. Um, I will tell you guys, so my son at 14, I talk about him a lot on the show with y'all. He is a car guy. Like, we will have debates. And I'll sure be like, hey, check out this cool Ferrari California. It's like, no, that's actually a 488 Pisa because it has the carbon fiber inserts on the, you know, reverse inlay. And I'm like, whoa, is that where the crankshaft is? He's like, yeah, it's like the CO2 sensor. And I'm like, wow. Um, so I, I had the Mini Cooper. Um, this was this was the hardtop two-door. This was a Cooper S. Um, an amazing vehicle. You know, Mini is just such a brand with, really cool history i think about the italian job and i think about you know the fact that this brand has been around for so many years and stays true to its history and heritage so i got a manual gearbox that came to the house and i used the opportunity because the next year my son's going to be learning to drive and we went over to his high school parking lot and it's interesting so i'll give you two different things one is he did fantastic he learned how to drive that within five minutes um, the second thing is, is I think the Mini Cooper is a great way to learn how to drive a manual because of the technology that they have in there. You know, it's a twin, it's a twin turbo, it's a two liter twin turbo. It's got 189 horsepower, so that's not that's not incredibly blazing fast. And third gear and fourth gear is when it really hits its power band. So for somebody that's learning how to drive, you know, it's not a Ford Mustang, which the Ford Mustang Mach One I had as well, and I was like, yeah, we're going to skip on this one, buddy. You're not going to. You're not going to be test driving this rear-wheel drive 470-horsepower beast, uh, which Dad was happy to drive. But I will tell you that that, that this car is so well-balanced. It starts at $27,000. It's a two-door. It's a true sports car. It's a lot of fun to drive. It's got a a good third- and fourth-gear power band. And having a manual gearbox is, is really cool. By the way, on the exterior, they've got this new translucent multicolor roof line on top. So it, it just sticks out. It shows the new features. It's just a cool ride. Nick, I know, you know, you bring from Australia um, that you have an affinity. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I know your British affinity for uh, Mini Coopers. Yeah. Uh, that's funny because I make that joke about people who are from New Zealand or people who are from South Africa. So you got right. me. Yeah. Got me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mini takes the states, right? Coming up this next year, you'll yeah. be uh, you'll be in a mini. I might join you at some point on that trip so that we can get into some shenanigans. But you know, I think that's such a great vehicle. And Tyler did a 
a fantastic job. It has start-stop technology, which is interesting in a manual, right? So you come to a stop sign, you put the car in neutral, the vehicle stops itself, like the engine goes off. You're like, wait, what? I just stalled it. Like, I'm Tyler, you stole the car. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. you never, you never, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, that was bad. Um, so great car for Tyler to start in. Um, I, I will tell you, I'd love to, to share with, about my daughter, right? So what's unique about test driving cars when you have two kids is that whenever a car comes to the house and it shows up on Tuesday, the kids immediately have an impression of that vehicle. I drive cars all the time. I love to drive them all. But certain cars come to the house and the kids are like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go in that this week. I won't say those on air. But we did have the new GMC Yukon Denali in our driveway, and my daughter was like, I could live in this. It feels like I'm flying on a cloud. Right. No matter what happened that week, she wanted to be in that vehicle. Big V8 engine under the hood. Super luxurious. Holy smoke. It's amazing, you know, that vehicle. Yes. And uh, I will tell you that there's one thing GMC and Chevy do really well is make the big big bulky vehicles like uh it's still hard for anybody to compete with them when you make those full size suvs like they they've nailed that portion of the market um american manufacturers still struggle a little bit with making smaller vehicles but making large suvs they are still the king of the roost they are the king of the roost starting price about 69 70 thousand dollars Towing capacity about 8,200, but I, I want to point this out because I actually have owned three Tahos, which is the smaller brother over the years. Yeah. And um, you get 20 miles per gallon plus with the Yukon Denali based on the variable valve timing, so displacement on demand. Yeah. When the, the cylinder drop will go from an eight to a six on a long on a long road, you know, freeway stretch, that gave me a quarter of extra gas uh, in the tank, which is cool. But man, on the inside, this thing is just so cush i just i love it i think they've done a miraculous job when they go electric on this i think it's going to be amazing yeah i saw it's this big vehicle yeah no that would be awesome i saw um the uh auto journalist john pelly hoffman posted uh something on facebook yesterday that in his region of la uh that uh, premium gas was 640 a gallon yesterday <laughs> i, was like, I saw that I saw that. Uh, yeah. So cylinder deactivation is is well uh, well worth uh, buying it if you have to buy a vehicle this big. Um, this is a very attractive uh, thing to, to want now is to want cylinder deactivation, I think. In yeah, it's been around for big. 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, 50 years it's been around. Very cool vehicle, really enjoyed it. Packed with technology, packed with safety. Um, the, the split seats in the rear, the captain's seats just made it super special for the kids. If you're going on a long trip, this thing is just, it, it is really the, the best possible vehicle for you to do it. In. I, I would say, um, we'd had this discussion, uh, getting coffee this morning between the three of us. Would we buy this? And, um, I think Jen and Andy both said that they would, if they were buying a vehicle of this size, they would buy it. I would personally go for the uh, Ford Expedition just purely because of the five dogs. I'd want something more base um, because that's what we were driving today um, be because I think it's too luxurious for me. Mm. And with five dogs in it, I just don't want to get it dirty. Um, maybe for you that you want the kids to have the luxury. Um, but for me, I just I don't want dog hair everywhere and mud everywhere. I, I actually... I'll go a different. I'll go a different direction. Uh, I, of course, the dogs and the kids are, are part of the equation. But as you all know, I'm a huge 
Ford guy, right? Yeah. I have a Bronco. I have an old Bronco. I have a Ford Raptor. Like right. I'm their guy. I'm their target market. But in the SUV category of this size, I am a huge General Motors person. I right. just think that from an exterior look standpoint, when you look at a Yukon, oh, you just okay. go, man, big yeah. okay. baller baby. Okay, yeah. okay. you yeah. got it. I got. All right, Mike, listen, we I run. Went. We run out of time. We run out of time. Watch Mike's videos. Uh, listen to him on the radio. You can every week and go to OurAutoExpert.com. We'll be right back. Stand by. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen and automatic Andy. That's me over there. Oh, over there? Mm-hmm. The third person. L- look over to your left. Hi. Oh, yeah, that's scary when you're over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, we've had this discussion before. But have things changed about how you feel about electric cars? I do. I I've had a, a an epiphany. You have. Mm-hmm. Have you? Uh, you've started to ride in and experience more electric vehicles. You've experienced the ID. Four. Mm-hmm. You've experienced the Marquee. Did it? Um, is that the only two? Uh, yeah, fully electric. Yeah, I think so. Those two. Yeah. Jen. Oh, we've driven lots of them. Lots and lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Is there more? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's. Oh wait, no. There is a Nissan that you, that I got. I sat in. Yep, that yeah. That one. I did that one. Jen, how many of you experienced? Like a hundred? <laughs> no, I don't think that many. <laughs> um, there's been a lot though. We I, did the electrical vent. Electrical vent. The electrical Get vent. It. <laughs> Get it. Um, I was lucky enough to go to San Diego to experience Hyundai's new um, electric car. And it's the first one in their brand, their brand they're calling the Ionic uh, brand. And it's a sort of a sub-brand. Several, several car companies are doing sub-brands now. Hyundai is doing the Ionic brand. And um, it, you know, it, was, it was so good, it was so interesting that we thought we'd have uh, Trevor Lye on from Hyundai to talk about uh, this vehicle. So Trevor, first of all, welcome to the show. Um, did the, the Ionic 5 get well-received in San Diego? You know, we had a lot of uh, good input there in San Diego. You know, we always are very proud of all of our products, of course, as you might imagine. But uh, this is unusually uh, great response for Ionic 5. It's also quite monumental for Hyundai, um, not just as a, as a brand and for Ionic as a brand, but uh, the group overall, because this year, monumentally, you have three vehicles that made the finals list of the uh, North American Car Trucking Utility Vehicle of the Year. So it's, uh, you know, two Hyundais and one Genesis. So it's quite, uh, quite a monumental year for you. Yes, it's been a very busy for uh, busy year for me here, Nick. I've been working a lot on uh, Santa Cruz as well, so that one's been uh, uh, a pet project of mine. I'm glad it has been able to see the light of day. So, when I look at the Ionic Five, uh, it's one of three vehicles that we know about that's coming on this new platform. Along, I think it's the uh, the seven and the six and seven. I think are the other two that are coming, but it's mm-hmm. it's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. Um, it's bigger wheelbase. I think it's longer than, than the Palisade. 
and its wheel yep. wheelbase is about the same as the Palisade. Its wheels are about uh, the biggest wheels you've ever had, 20s. Um, and it looks something like, I think I said in my review, um, that it looks very much, it would be very much at home in a movie like Tron, even though they're 20 years old now, like Tron or Judge Dredd. It really does <laughs> right. look like something that came out of a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? You know, it does. We first started out with the uh, concept, I believe in 2018 or so, uh, as a concept car, and, you know, based on the feedback from that one, um, we said, hey, you know, can we actually make this into a, a real deal production vehicle? And we take a look at that, that, that concept car back then, and you take a look at Ionic 5 now, it's a uh, concept car brought to production. Right. Very futuristic. Yeah, the lights. Um, I've never really seen lights like this before. In, in fact, I'm almost surprised that you, you managed to get them through uh, certification because um, they're just like little square lights. Um, and, and obviously they're legal, but they look just like little uh, dots, I guess, in, in the car. But mm. obviously light technology has changed quite immensely. So they're sort of digital lights front, back, and in the mirror. Yeah, the pixel design theme was something that uh, we brought forth from the concept vehicle as well. It was something that no one else had really done. Um, at first, it was just kind of uh, a cute design element. But I'm like, hey, well, let's actually try to implement this, you know, for, for production. And its execution is, is very distinctive um, on the road. Positive, distinctive. Then the technology, I guess, Trevor, is one of the things that really makes it step apart from everybody else. You expect to step up to a luxury car for screen size and technology like this with charging and uh, interior technology, crash technology, all those type of things. Yeah, Hyundai really stepped forward and said, we're going to include things in this car that you wouldn't normally get in a vehicle that meets this price point. That's absolutely true. You know, one of the things that we found out through our research you know, of course, EV buyers are very much tech-focused, tech-oriented, um, latest and greatest, early adopters, you know, that sort of thing. So even with the base Ionic, right, our base $39,900 vehicle that includes a pair of uh, uh, screens in the vehicle and over a foot in, in diagonal measure. So things like that, I think, uh, will help connect with um, our shopper base. I think when I look at something like this, um, I, I sort of am surprised in a sense, too, that the the sort of things that you can do with it meet um, and go above expectations in a sense so i spent a lot of time at uh, the the mall where we w went to the charging stations because there's so mm -hmm. much to learn with it um, the amount of charge time that you've reduced i think five minutes on a dc fast charger will get you 68 miles and and what you've done there is used a slightly different system than everybody else with the 800 volt system and the way you explained it to us was really you've increased the diameter of the hose pipe to allow more electricity through to the battery right Yes, absolutely. And when we talk about early, early adopters, as I mentioned earlier, what we're really doing is investing into the future, right? So our new eGMP platform, or Electrified Global Modular Platform, um, allows us to do this. And so even though right now, we understand, of course, it becomes one of those chicken and egg things, like, well, are chargers coming first? Is the car going to come first? We took a stand and said, hey, let's put out this uh, 800-volt architecture that will allow people to charge not only quickly now, but also into the future, many years in the future, when things get quite a bit more established uh, with, with level three chargers. And so this quick charging uh, is one of those things that we think will help uh, convert some EV skeptics out there, EV holdouts, uh, to be able to, to buy something like this 
without having to spend over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and, and to me, that's uh, that's really great. Well, Jen's mouth is dropping. What did you read? I know I was just watching where you can watch a movie from it. Yeah. You could plug in a projector. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm watching the video, sorry. Jen, Jen's, get, Jen's getting super excited about uh, some of the technology that she's just reading about the car. Uh, the amount of space on the inside, too, um, when you don't have all of the things that you have, like drive drivetrain and all of the things that you have lumbered with when you have a gasoline vehicle, you really utilized all the space in the vehicle, didn't you? One of the things, yeah, well, one of the things that we're really great at here with Hyundai is the ability to carve out as much interior space as possible. And we call that interior packaging, right? How much space can you get out of the interior? If you take a look at some of the competitors, of course, um, not as great. So even though the exterior size for Ionic 5 is pretty compact for an SUV, you get into the inside and you immediately forget the exterior dimensions because the interior is just so expensive. And I think that's one of the things that uh, is so pleasant about being in the vehicle is the fact that it gives you sort of the the possibility to do things. But the story really sort of continues, doesn't it, Trevor, where the vehicle can do more than just transport you from A to B and is comfortable and is full of technology. You sort of made it a power base to do other things with so you can right. you can charge another EV from it as well. That's I think that's where uh, that, the video with Jen was watching there a moment ago, right? It's. You know, we have uh, what we call V2L, or vehicle to load, or in other words, basically an onboard generator. If you have a very large, you know, uh, power source, like our 77.4 kilowatt hour battery pack, you know, what other things can you do with that battery pack? And so what we have um, uh, with our limited trim, and also optionally available through the exterior uh, connector, which will allow any Ionic 5 to connect this way. But it allows you to uh, output um, up to nearly uh, uh, two kilowatts of power to an external power source. So you can hook up the projector. You can hook up, um, if you're camping, for instance, you can put up uh, uh, twinkle lights or fairy lights, if you'd like. You can hook up um, a refrigerator, a full-size residential refrigerator. You can power that with your Ionic 5. Or like you said, if someone else is in need, you can give them a little trickle charge you know, from the Ionic 5, given we have such a large battery pack. Right. All, all I heard was you can power the refrigerator. Yeah, you, you can go glamping with your fridge. <laughs> oh, I like it. Nice. Or yeah, so your microwave. You know, once you yeah. get out of the fridge, you can put your microwave up. The, uh, awesome. I mean, the ideas are you can just use it, you know, power things, other things from it, but also the sort of the, the power things that come with it, like, you know, the sort of solar power and you can, you know, have home charging units and it sort of becomes more of a, a, a utility package um, that, that goes with other things that you can do. Uh, Trevor, before we run out of time, let's talk about availability, pricing and, uh, and when are these sort of going to be in showrooms. Sure. Um, we uh, just started selling uh, Ionic 5. We did our first retail delivery earlier this week uh, here in Southern California and also, uh, I believe, in Boston as well. Um, so these uh, Ionic 5s are out now, available, um, I would say, at dealerships, but definitely call your dealerships to understand you know, when they might be receiving uh, right. some vehicles. We do have quite a few uh, pre-orders uh, that we have to sell first, of course. And uh, pricing has been announced? Pricing has been announced, so our uh, entry-level uh, Ionix 5, you can have that at 39900 and change. Of course, that's before any uh, applicable uh, rebates or uh, you know, tax credits and things of that nature. Yeah, still, so I think this will be uh, reachable for a lot of folks. Yeah, still available as the $7,500 tax credits plus local tax credits as well, right? That's correct, depending and, on the state in which you live. And if you haven't got to, to see enough of it, too, it's also in the new Spider-Man movie, right? It's coming out, yeah. yeah, so you'll see it there too. 
Yeah, the new Spider-Man movie. Trevor, listen, uh, it was a real pleasure to drive, and, and I can tell you I think it's going to be a huge hit. Um, and if, you know, if you're not really into the Ionic 5, then you've still got 6 and 7 to come as well. And uh, from what we've seen of those two, uh, that's going to be uh, really something to behold. Uh, we got some sort of teases for that. Uh, Trevor will, I'm sure, be back again to talk about those when we have more information about them. Uh, Trevor Lai and the whole Hyundai team, thanks for the invite to San Diego and find more at OurAutoExpert.com. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert podcast is available 24-7 at our website, uh, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, and they get it all from Automatic Andy and Truck Girl Jen. Uh, Automatic Andy, you've been driving two vehicles this week. What are they? At the same time, like skates. The (laughs) the first one was the 2022... Toyota 4Runner TRD Sport. Yeah. And, and the other one was the, the 2022 Honda CRV, a hybrid. And? Um, which one do I like more? Yeah. Mm, the Runner. Mm, the 4Runner. Has to be. It's the Runner. The Runner. Oh, yeah, you shortened it down. Yeah, you hear me? I'm like a seasoned driver now. Go. <laughs> the Runner. Tell me about the Runner. Um, The Toyota 4Runner. The Runner. Is, is the, you know, the Runner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The TRD runner. It, go, it goes in different directions than its cousins, the TRD Off-Road and the TRD Pro, because yeah. those, they focused on the trails um, and the, the trail-ready features, and the TRD Sport looks more like the style, like the, 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 the way it looks, it, how cool it looks. It's all about the, the combing. Yeah, I wouldn't take this one out in the dirt, you know what I mean? As much. As much. Um, they the new TRD Sport uses pinpoint laser accurate accuracy and focuses on the agile road driving on the concrete jungle. You're looking good in the jungle. I look good in the concrete jungle. Yeah, you do. It has a new body with different rocker panels and the body moldings, and it is against the TRD scoop, Nick. Yeah. And it goes so fast that they they put a front facing spoiler. I've never heard of that. No. Not even a Ferrari has a front facing spoiler, and it's supposed to go fast. Take that Ferrari. Take it. The runner, um, it also helps people like me not mess up as much on the road. Because they, they made a part-time four-wheel drive system that uses A-track control, which means you can transfer one force of one force of the car to another, to a single wheel, so it has more contact on the ground. And then you can maintain more traction control in a world covered in ice. Cheeky. Um it also, Nick, did you know this? It has a sport-tuned x rius suspension, and it makes city driving that much more enjoyable and sportier. It kind of felt like I was driving off-road, on-road. You know what I mean? I took it urban off-roading in northeast Portland. Uh-oh. I did that, Nick. How's, how's northeast Portland? How was bikers? <laughs> it was very urban-y. urban-y. Yeah, I don't. The bikers, that's a whole other subject. I don't like, I'm just going to say it now. I don't like bikers. Oh. You're not two tons of steel. I am. Mm-hmm. Move. Take that, bikers. Yeah. Um, Ouch. Nick, Nick, the runner has hydraulics in it. Yeah. They have hydraulically linked adaptive dampers, and I knew it because it it bounced around, and it was bouncing around like it needs Adderall. Oh. Because it has <laughs> so much so much hydraulics. So much give. It was just there was all over the place. I just wanted to shove an Adderall in the tailpipe yeah. so it wow. came down. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, Jen? Because it was cushioning your ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was okay. too. It was bouncing around. It was too busy. But I liked it. Uh, the the TRD Sport, Nick, it went vegan. 
because it it replaced the cloth for Softex trim seats. Oh. It's not leather, but it still feels like the fattest part of the of the cow mm-hmm. on so the seats for cushy your cow, but not. But it's a fake cushy cow. It's a oh. plant cow. Plant cow. Mm-hmm. Nice. They eat photosynthesis. Very um, fairly friendly. So that was that's my that's my fun on the runner. All right. And then in comparison, the the hybrid. Um, you get an eight-year high-voltage oh, battery. Wait, stand by. How much was the runner base? Oh, the base one was uh, $40,150. Ours was not that. Oh, no, but chump change. Yeah. Okay. And then I went, I got out of that car and got into a Honda CRV hybrid, and those start at $25,750. That is reasonable. They, Super reasonable. Hybrid? Yeah, Last the mileage. hybrid. Hello. I know. They have, Nick, you didn't know this. They have an eight-year high-voltage battery warranty. That's... Much longer than the competition, Nick. Take that competition. They won an award by some guy in this year <laughs> saying that they the best SUV for its price. All right. Some guy said I'm saying. Yeah. Some guy's a friend yes. of mine. Yep. Uh, Nick, it's super fun to drive. The accelerator is not stingy. Okay. It's the cheapest in its class, beating the competition by almost $2,000, but it's not the cheapest in quality. Take that competition. Honda announced that the CRV is getting a new overhaul and some major changes to the body and engine in 2023 exclamation point. Stand by. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hybrid CRV, Nick, did you know this? I bet you didn't. Has two electric motors, two Nick and Jen, and that upgrades you from 212 horse, or excuse me, two hundred two. 212 horsepowers instead of 190 that you just get in the normal CRV. So what's the difference? Do your math. Stand by. Go. Uh, that's 10. That's 22. That's 22 horses. Whoa. Extra. Yeah, it's a gallop. And you get that's that. from a trot to a gallop. Yeah, you get a whole full gallop. <laughs> yeah, you get you go from a trot to a gallop. <laughs> if you because wow. you get the extra horses. So I know they're not in the same class, but yeah. if I had to pick one, I'd go with the runner. You would? Yeah. Well, it's double um, in price, and knowing the addition you guys got is yeah, probably from, triple. From a, yeah, in price. yeah, oh yeah. The ones we actually <laughs> yeah. had were not the base. Yeah. Ones. For, from a gallop to a from a from a from a gallop to a runner. Like a like a brisk walk. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a full on to a runner. sprinter. Yeah, yeah, to a sprinter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to get a sprinter van. Do Those you? are so nice. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you know how much stuff we can haul in that. I don't know what, <laughs> but you, you know how much they have four wheel drive in those things. See, Nick. Are you shifting goods in the middle of the night or something? Yeah, produce. <laughs> Are you going around the back of warehouses and doing something I don't know about? Santa? Yeah. Santa? <laughs> yes. Yes, Nick. You How do you think don't Santa fly- does Do you have reindeer at my house I don't know about? <laughs> I have 12 Sprinter vans. <laughs> oh, 12 Magic gathering cards? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, Ben knows. <laughs> I can move so many Magic cards. He can have all his cards. team in the back. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Mobile gaming. Mobile there you game. go. Yeah, Nick. See, new I'm, COVID thing. There's gonna mm-hmm. be this magic. There's gonna be this sprinter van in my driveway, uh-huh. and th- at like two o'clock in the morning, there's gonna be um, the alarm's gonna go off, and I'm gonna see this weird sprinter van mm. in the driveway. And I'm gonna go. It's gonna have like fairies I'm, painted on the I'm, side. No, no, it's gonna be like it's gonna be white and it's gonna be parked in the in the middle of our property. And I'm gonna go like I'm gonna get woken up by the alarm, and I'm gonna. I'm going to get the dogs. I'm going to two big dogs with the collar and each, and I'm going to come out at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to wander up to the van, and I'm going to hear some weird thumping noise from the van. I'm going to hear some strange noises. <laughs> I'm going to wander up in the middle of the night. I'm going to go, what's going on? I'm going to creep up there, and I'm going to softly click the door open, and I'm going to slide it up. And this light's going to just peer out onto the driveway, pitch black, and this 
light's going to shine out. And as I open the door slowly, it's going to be freezing cold. And the light's going to open. I'm going to throw the door open. There's going to be a bunch of weird bearded guys on the inside playing Magic the Gathering. And I'm like, Andy, I'm trying to get some sleep in this house, you weirdo. That's what's going to happen. No (laughs) Sprinter van for you. Happy Christmas. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Our Auto Expert Podcast is available 24-7 on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll also see featured stories there right at the top of the screen and see some of the best videos around. All right, can you read the future? Well, that happens to be somebody's job at uh, Ford Automotive Car. Yeah, the Ford Automotive uh, Group. Mm-hmm. At least that's in her title. But does she isn't do that, that exciting? She's yeah. got the best title ever. She does. Uh, she is the futurist at Ford. Her name is Cheryl Connolly. Um, Cheryl, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Hopefully, something yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, it. It's a great title for a job. But explain to us what your what your job involves. Sure. You know, the title is um, terribly misleading because I, of course, cannot I, of course, cannot predict the future. And I remind people every day that do product planning, long term thinking and strategy that no one can predict the future. My job really is to pull into the discussions, global trends, push back against business as usual and try to prepare the organization for disruption so that our plans are resilient enough to weather any future we can imagine. Um, you probably have the one job of Ford that I would love to have because I love to look at trends. I love to look at emerging trends. I love to look at things that could happen and uh, predict, you know, take timelines and look at how things are emerging and what could possibly happen and how they could evolve. Um, and That's exactly I, what you, I, you're hired. <laughs> you're hired. Um, so one of the things that I kept an eye on and I uh, predicted quite accurately was, for instance, the black trim levels in cars. I could see it happening in uh, shops around the country. A lot of people taking their cars in and having wheels sprayed black, uh, sprayed black and having a lot of the uh, chrome parts on their vehicles sprayed black. And I could see it happening uh, trend wise. Um, and I knew eventually automotive companies would start doing it, blacking out, and, and then the gold trims and some of the, mm-hmm. some of the things like colors. Um, and I know, for instance, at the Milan Furniture Show, a lot of car companies go visit it and see what the trends are in furnitures, and you see those start to happen on the interior of cars, um, and this sort of reflects, furnitures tend to reflect the interior of cars maybe two or three years after they come out. So, I mean, that's just obviously part of the design trims and the design fashions, but there's a lot of other things, you know, that obviously happen business-wise, marketing-wise, fashion trends, and then you probably knew that there was going to be sort of chip things happening, chip crisis happening, but you had an indication uh, of those things as well. So there's probably not just... Not just fashion and not just uh, market trends and not just uh, trends towards, you know, things uh, like uh, fashion and those type of things, but things like what what the birth rate does to to people choosing cars and those type mm-hmm. of things, right? Yes, absolutely. I, we look at so a lot of what you talked about. I think would be called, uh, you know, like you said, design trends, fashion trends. We look at global trends through five lenses. Social, technological, economic, environmental, and political. And so, for instance, for our 2022 um, trend report, we talked about what's the future of this planet look like? 
know, there are experts who say that it's going to grow to a population of 10 billion. And natural resource constraints could become so severe that the question is no longer how do we sustain this planet, but how do we exit it? And so we try to put those provocations out there and then just see how consumers respond. Are they ready for that type of disruption? Uh, Sadly, we know that the majority of people we spoke to across 15 countries told us that um, they don't think governments are ready for what the future might hold. Right. Um, Some of the things that you predicted in the past or saw happening in the past, um, have they changed dramatically Uh, and they didn't happen and uh, those predictions have changed or are we seeing them uh, happen? So, you know, a great example for this is the COVID uh, pandemic. Now, this seemingly caught the world by surprise, but if you step back, you should ask yourself why. I mean, for the last 20 years, the World Health Organization has been sounding the alarm bell about the possibility, the probability of a global pandemic. And it dates back to SARS in early 2000s. And SARS followed by Ebola and swine flu and Zika. Um, There were lots of things that came along. And so really what we are trying to do by tracking these types of things, I'm never going to say I told you so, but to push people to say, what's your contingency plan? What happens to your plans if things do not go the way that you have outlined? Uh, How ready are you to pivot? And so I think that's interesting for us. I mean, if I were to apply it more to automotive right now, we would start thinking about the electric revolution that's happening. you know, the portfolio for Ford, we expect up to 50% of our vehicles to be electric. And the question is, are consumers ready? Are they ready to go down that road? Right. Um, the sort of things that you look at politically, um, do you look at the changes in attitudes of, let's say, and we could break it down simply as right wing and left wing, the more left wing countries that we have in the world are more let's say, environmentally bound versus the more right-wing that are not environmentally bound? And does that have a political change on, let's say, electric vehicles? It's as simple as that. Um, or does it a lot more complicated than that? Uh, it, it can and can You know, there there's several different ways to slice it. So, for instance, one of the things that we found is that 81% of the people we surveyed in 15 countries told us that one of the biggest concerns they have for children is the state of the environment. Climate change is something that worries them more than any other thing. And if you dig a little bit deeper, we know that uh, women around the world are saying part of the reason they don't want to have children is because they're worried about the impact on the environment. Uh, The numbers at 40% for Canadian women, uh, it drops down a bit um, for India at 32%, 19% in Mexico, but only 6% of American women answered yes to that. And so you really start to see a variance of like where that culture might prioritize environmentalism. Interesting. And so what do you think your, does this, does this information then get taken and used by the vehicle planning guys? Absolutely. So I sit in the middle of product development um, and, you know, the truth of the matter is you could be a designer, an engineer, product development, marketing. Every single person in Ford has the task of trying to imagine a future that no one else has yet to imagine. I mean, that's, that's what you have to take on if you want to be a true innovator. And my job and my teammates um, and I, we take this research and we see the conversation with these uh, data points. 
you know, we we don't tell people that we know exactly what it means, but we're saying like, hey, that's something that makes us think that the future could be different than we actually expect. I mean, about one in one in three young people tell us that children today, so what we would call millennials and Gen Z, people of 40 and under, uh, one in three of them say that children today won't need to learn how to drive. It's a totally different relationship with automobiles. And the question is, how are we preparing for that? The you know One of the things we were led to believe was car ownership would uh, evaporate um, at some point in the future. So presumably that means dealerships will not serve individuals, but they will serve organizations maybe in the future? Ford, you know, under the leadership of our new CEO, Jim Farley, we're still, of course, dedicated to our retail customers. But we have put a lot of emphasis on what it might mean for commercial customers, those local businesses, maybe a flower shop that owns five, five vans and is thinking about how to cho- deliver that, you know, what impact they might be having on the world around them. And we see this happening in lots of different categories. And more and more people are saying, yes, I do care. Like, I do care the impact companies are having on the world around me, and I want to know what they're, what they're doing to try to make it better. And right now, Ford expects our portfolio to be up to 50% electric by the year 2030. Um, but with European markets, we've already 100% of our four passenger vehicles sold in Europe will be all electric by 2030. Uh, is the one thing you've learned from your job flexibility? Absolutely. Like, I think it's it's really the reason I love the job is because it's, it's time to learn to expect the unexpected. And I think that anyone can do that. You just have to start, you know, setting aside your biases and your worldview. Oftentimes when somebody says that'll never happen, not in my lifetime, but let's just pretend. What would it mean for our business? How would it affect our products? What could it? How might it change our strategy if it were to happen? And the beauty of it is that COVID has really put people on their heels. Things that they thought were never possible have turned out to be a reality in very short fashion. So I have a quick question for you. As Ford or your trends or whatever show any um, strains like on the electrical grid? I mean, is anybody worried about can we produce enough electricity to support all these vehicles? I was just yeah, curious. So we spend a ton of time. We spend a ton of time thinking about that. That's not something we would actually put in our survey because we're just kind of asking the man on the street. But <laughs> Ford is one of the only, I believe, we're one of the only OEMs that actually have a client scientist on our payroll. Um, we have technical fellows dedicated exclusively to sustainable materials. You know, Bronco, which came out this year, and it's it's you know one of the hottest vehicles on the marketplace today. Um, there's just such a short, the demand cannot. Um, is way out numbered than the supply. But today, our wiring harnesses in the vehicle are made from ocean plastic. Um, we, you know, buy this, we take this, this garbage, we try to get it out of the ocean, and we find ways to put it in our vehicle. So we, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about our impact on the environment in this holistic way, not just about zero emission vehicles, but how can we improve water access to people around the world? How can we make communities that we operate in um, stronger? So it's exciting. It's a really exciting space. And we have uh, Bill Ford to thank for that because Bill, are, he is the great grandson of Henry, but also the executive chairman of our board. And 
I've heard him say on more than one occasion, he's got two great passions, um, automobiles and the environment. And so much of what we do at Ford is trying to reconcile those two passions. Awesome, Cheryl. Um, Learned an awful lot. I want to have you on again to talk more about this. Uh, Cheryl Connolly from Ford. She is the futurist who predicts the, the trends of the future. This is our auto expert. You're listening to our auto expert. Our auto expert, you can find us on TikTok. You can also start a conversation with us on YouTube. Just contact us and ask us a car question. Direct messages at our auto expert. Uh, if you direct messages, Andy will answer any of your questions. Where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, it's at our auto expert. All right, if you didn't get a chance to go to SEMA, there was a lot of really cool products on display this year. And Truck Hero had a bunch of really cool stuff. I got to walk around the show. Uh, they had some really interesting stuff if you're a truck owner, including the Tuxedo Elevate Rag System. And this, one of the things that this does, which I really liked, is it combines the uh, the sort of the rack system so you can have still have your tonneau car cover your truck bed cover and the sort of elevate rack system so you know when you have a truck bed cover mm-hmm. and then you want to still store stuff on a rack bed cover well it actually delivers more storage options so you have that cover that goes over your truck bed and then the option to put a uh, overall cargo bed space system uh, on top of that and it elevates sort of put this elevated rack covering system over there by truck hero it guarantees that your next journey delivers sort of that max- maximum fun and adventure with this sort of unique system that goes over it I thought that was really cool to be able to still store stuff on there um, and there's also that sort of elevate um, the elevate rack system that you can put on there so uh, I got a picture of it here Jen so you can get that Uh, cover on there and do that elevate rack system so instead of sort of tying stuff on top of your tonneau cover you can still get that elevated system on there the elevate rack system from truck hero and that would be really great for like kayaks or you know that's something that's protruding on both ends of the vehicle right raft um, they also had this uh, rock and roll M uh, M series XT that combines the legendary, uh, legendary M series retractable truck bed cover uh, with their T slot integrated Max Track system uh, that allows for unique customization for your truck bed uh, to meet your sort of individual needs. That uh, M series XT is a sort of a secure, robust vinyl over aluminum hybrid cover uh, series designed to sort of really deliver that four seasons protection over the bed and and keep the bed secure as well and I'm always worried about leaving stuff in the bed as well to make sure it's uh, secure in the truck I find that really great there's also the uh, uh, Rex uh, Rex track that brings you your bed elevation um, really of the truck bed covers that that to me is keeping everything really covered um, and that I will say the electric retractable bed covers are really cool because I hate manually having to remove the the bed covers, especially when it's wet and raining. And some of them are really heavy. Right. Um, this covers, uh, you know, the sort of really constructive individual sort of industrial strength aluminum slats that uh, provide uh, unsurpassed strength and ruggedness as well. So you can throw stuff on the back and it's really hard to uh, break it or cover it and it 
it really sort of gives you that strength cover and you can use it Bluetooth technology as well to uh, retract it. it sort of gives that smooth retractable cover you can use the key fob as well to make that go back too, so it can be lazy um, the other thing that my friends have uh, I saw there was really good is the rugged ridge uh, spare tire carriers for bed mounts on the Gladiator. So my friends have those big 35 wheels and you've never been able to store them anywhere. And the rugged ridge, now you can put the spare tires in the back of the rugged ridge if you want to carry an extra spare tire and it goes right into the bed of the Gladiator. I thought that was really cool because no one else has been able to do that either. Um, so that's the first time I've ever seen a spare tire cover for, for that. Um, uh, NFAB had a really cool new system. They introduced a new um, ARC sports bar and heavy-duty metal bull bar now for the back of the vehicle. This uh, The Truck Hero have made this uh, market-leading manufacturer uh, really good quality truck accessory. Uh, two exciting new exterior truck accessories, uh, the sports bar and the heavy-duty metal bull bar. Um, I love bull bars for the front of the vehicle because they always make your vehicle look so off-road ready. Mm -hmm. um, I put some, I put them on some of my vehicles in the past, and the NFAB ones looked really, really good. They're nice. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm getting too excited about them. Calm down, Nick. <laughs> Calming down with the bull bars. Um, some new lighting stuff that I thought was really good: the uh, Pro Hood Protector. Um, this light shield, the AeroSkin Light Shield Pro. Uh, these are these are really cool um, accessories that offer sort of functional, stylish automotive protection accessories. Um, <coughs> I'm coughing because I'm so excited. Um, yeah, they, they sort of give you these really cool bull bars that have lighting in them as well. Um, the, and hood protection uh, products that have lighting as well. The AeroSkin Light Shield Pro combines uh, this sort of hood deflector it's designed that uh, the avs is known for their um, added cutting edge led lighting technology um, and they have this new hood protection experience as well and i think when you have these hood sort of protectors with the lights embedded in them well, this, uh, it almost it looks look like nice. a police car to me um, i thought it was when the avs uh, aeroskin light shield pro was really cool um, I thought that was uh, very cool when I saw that one as well. Um, and they also have the uh, the um, the bull bar version of that as well. I thought it was great. I also saw that for the first time, the uh, LX600 from Lexus. Mm -hmm. um, that has this new grille. They have an F-Sport version coming out. The two dual screens on the inside. I'm going to get to drive that in January at some point. Um, so I was pretty excited about that uh, for the first time. Um, I haven't actually seen that uh, anywhere. The first time I saw it was SEMA, mm -hmm. and it has uh, bigger wheels than they've ever had before, too, for the first time. Um, I think they've never had uh, wheels. I think they're 22s now for the first time. Hmm. Um, they've never had uh, wheels that big um, on the LX, and it's now the 600. It was the 570 before. Um, and they had some an IS350, which um, was specially made for the show, and a 500, which was specially made for the show Lexus did, um, which I have to tell you um, were amazing. And they're going to be racing those as well this year, which to me um, was really, really cool for the first time. Uh, I haven't actually seen the them race them yet. I haven't been to a race yet, uh, but for the first time, it's uh, it's the first time I've actually seen them uh, put those vehicles on uh, display. 
Um, but I will tell you, um, really, really, really cool to see them deck them out. They haven't finished doing them. They haven't finished doing them for the first time yet. Um, the engines have to be done yet. I haven't seen them finish the engines yet. Um, but the engines have uh, to be built, and they'll build those in the future. So um, when the engines build them, um, I'll see the engines finally built. So, so I haven't seen them uh, finally built, uh, but when the engine's built, um, I'll actually see them uh, finished vehicles as well. I'm going to um, take a spin in it. You are? Yeah, when it's done, when it's all done, I'll be able to actually, I'll make my like top 17 list because the whole situation seems nice. And when the engine's done, I'll I'll give it a, I'll wash it. I'll take oh, care of it. I'm going to take you up on that. Uh, I just want to mention it, it's your business and you, you need every single hire, but you really don't want to go through every single resume. So uh, you need to go to Indeed, an uh, all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy for you to attract uh, every screen and candidate. All-in-one place is smart tools in the match. You instantly get the hiring list and every candidate whose resumes are on Indeed that fit your job the description. Every minute uh, that you sponsor a job, spend less time finding out Indeed uh, and uh, match your resumes. More time saying you're hired. Visit indeed.com at slash credit. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.